Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And we're joined today by KCSU Assistant Sports Director, Jonathan Gillum, for our first episode of the semester. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing campus and local news with Ivy, sports updates with Jonathan Gillum, COVID-19 news with myself. We'll also be catching up on some of the stories you missed while we were on our break, an exclusive interview with Dr. Malika Fair of the Association of American Medical Colleges. Hello there, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. This is your campus news. Colorado State University President Joyce McConnell released a, quote, COVID call to action aimed at current CSU students attending in-person classes last week. Calling on students to practice correct COVID-19 mitigation efforts as classes return. The statement released by her office stressed the severity of the situation, stating, quote, to those of you who are not compliant with state, county, and university health protocols, you may be the reason someone loses their life. It is that serious, end quote. The statement also stressed that if everybody on campus does not adhere to COVID-19 safe guidelines, CSU will be forced to return to remote operations yet again for the fall semester. The statement also outlined the specific actions needed to be taken to reduce the spread of COVID-19, including getting tested for COVID-19, and if you're a current CSU community member, CSU is providing free tests. Always wearing a mask inside except when you're inside your apartment or dorm room. Maintaining social distancing of at least six feet and wearing a mask when you can't. Limiting all social gatherings to 10 people or less and avoiding social gatherings that would exceed this size. Telling the truth when contacted by a contact tracer who are there to support the community in case someone does contract COVID-19. And finally, following health protocols when you are told to quarantine or self-isolate when exposed to COVID-19. The statement also made sure to express that anybody who does not follow these actions will be in violation of university policy and can ultimately result in expulsion. According to Matt Rogers at CSU Source, National Geographic will be producing a six-episode film series about data collection for hurricanes and will be using images and information created by Colorado State University's Cooperative Institute for Research in the Atmosphere, or SURA for short. SURA is a partnership between CSU and National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which encourages researchers in taking raw satellite data and visualizing it by using the science of how light interacts with the atmosphere to generate images that we can't otherwise with photography. These images, that will be used frequently in the National Geographic series, have been in the past used by weather forecasters and meteorologists and are essential in helping forecasters understand tropical storms. Sura researcher Curtis Seaman, one of the scientists involved in creating several of the products used in National Geographic series, said, quote, Satellites are an invaluable tool for monitoring the weather on a global and local scale. The images they provide allow for a rapid assessment of the intensity of developing storms, end quote. Moving on to local news, according to Kelly Lyell at the Coloradoan, the Cameron Peak Fire has grown to over 21,000 acres and is still at 0% containment. The fire, which began August 13th between Chambers Lake and Cameron Peak, is burning in the Roosevelt National Forest about 40 miles west of Fort Collins. Officials with Rocky Mountain Incident Command said Monday that the fire has not yet damaged any structures. Efforts to attempt to contain the fire currently underway include lighting backfires, 
Fires they beacon controlled and are intended to burn vegetation away before the wildfire can use it for fuel. Although crews continue to build indirect fire lines to protect communities, structures, and campgrounds miles away, there were still no containment lines around the fire itself. There were 722 personnel involved in fire operations Sunday, with additional resources ordered. Rocky Mountain Incident Command reported on its InsaWeb website that tracks wildfires across the United States. Colorado Highway 14 remains closed to Kelly Flats to Gould and most other roads in the area, including Rare Larimer River, Long Draw, Pingree, Crown Point. Manhattan Roads and Dead Man Road west off of Red Feather Lakes are also closed. Larimer County Sheriff's Office reported that those areas are all under mandatory evacuation orders because of the fire. According to Sarah Kyle at the Coloradoan, the Lewstone Fire, which is nearly 10 miles away from Fort Collins and encompasses 160 acres, is now at 65% containment. The fire started Saturday and prompted mandatory evacuations in the area of Wrist Canyon Road west of Whale Rock Road and east of the Davis Ranch Road due to the, quote, immediate and imminent danger, end quote. Since then, all mandatory evacuation and voluntary evacuation orders have been dropped. Residents are still, quote, encouraged to stay alert to the fire information you have access to in an effort to stay aware of your surroundings. Please do not call 911 unless you are in danger, end quote. The Larimer County Sheriff's Office tweeted that it would be providing ongoing updates on the fire. If you want to be updated via text for evacuation and safety concerns, you can text LUSTONE, all capitalized, all one word, to 888-777. According to J.C. Marmaduke and Pat Ferrier at the Coloradoan, Fort Collins will be leasing space at the food bank for Larimer County to serve as an emergency homeless shelter. The food bank, located at 1301 Blue Spruce Drive, will be providing 14,800 square feet to fill the service gap created after June's closure of the emergency shelter at Northside Aztlan Community Center. Paul Donnelly, spokesman for Food Bank for Larimer County, said that the shelter will said that the shelter will only operate at night and food bank operations will continue without disruption. Fort Collins Rescue Mission will operate the shelter, which is expected to accommodate 100 people from September through April. Fort Collins City Council is expected to vote on an emergency ordinance approving the lease on Tuesday. City Manager Darren Attenberry said in a news release, quote, We have been looking for potential temporary shelter locations since Northside Aztlan Community Center reopened as a child care and recreation facility. This will provide a safe space for those who need it most during this health crisis, also as we approach colder weather this fall and winter, end quote. This has been the news for Tuesday, August 25th. My name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Koda Babcock, and this is the COVID-19 update for Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. 
Larimer County's current risk score as of Monday for COVID-19 infection was considered medium, meaning that residents must continue taking precautions to protect themselves against COVID-19, such as social distancing and wearing masks. Larimer County has just over 1,700 confirmed or probable cases, as well as 426 suspect cases. The state of Colorado has over 55,000 cumulative cases. 60% of Larimer County cases are seen in Fort Collins residents, and 45% of cases are also seen in those ages 15 to 24 years old. Approximately 81 students and faculty members at Colorado State University have tested positive for COVID-19. Governor Jared Polis has not announced any new restrictions in hopes to prevent the spread of COVID-19, but did announce he doesn't, quote, want anyone to be surprised in our state, end quote, when school shutdowns related to the pandemic begin. The governor's primary plan for handling the pandemic in Colorado is through different protocols, such as temporarily shutting down schools with students testing positive to prevent potentially large outbreaks. Many school districts across the state have announced temporary or long-term closure to help prevent an outbreak among children, staff members, and their families. 143 people are hospitalized with COVID-19 in the state as of yesterday. By comparison, Colorado's total hospitalization at its peak was 888 in one day. There have been 1,919 deaths from COVID-19 in Colorado. If you are concerned that you may need to be tested or want to learn more about COVID-19 symptoms and steps you can take to protect yourself, cdc.gov coronavirus has resources, including a coronavirus self-checker form and information on masks, recommended protocols for daily activities, and more. Information from this segment was gathered from Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the CDC, the Colorado Sun, and CSU's COVID-19 recovery site based on data gathered yesterday evening. Common ways to control the spread of COVID-19 include washing your hands, keeping shared surfaces disinfected, wearing a face covering, and maintaining at least six feet of social distance with those outside of your household. That's all for today's COVID-19 update. Again, I'm Coda Babcock. Hello, and thank you for listening. It's Jonathan Gillum with KCSU Sports with your sporting news. So, many of our college sports have been canceled. Uh, if you do not know, the Mountain West was officially announced that the sports are canceled for the year. So no CSU sports this year at the Mountain West collegiate level. As well as the Pac-12, so that means no CU buffs as well. But no CSU Rams. And that includes the volleyball, basketball, football, those sports. However, we will be taking the time to cover a lot of the club sports, and I think that's going to be really exciting. But moving on, even though college sports is mostly canceled, the professional sports are currently underway. The NHL and NBA playoffs are underway, with the NHL just finishing their about their first round of the playoffs. Your Colorado Avalanche advanced round one, with a 3-1 to one knock against the Coyotes. And round two is this week with the Dallas Stars. The NBA playoffs are also underway. The local Denver Nuggets right now are down 3-1 to one against the Utah Jazz. Their next game is on August 25th at 4.30 p.m. And they will fight to avoid elimination. We'll see what happens with that. Next, baseball is underway. So... Just to clarify, the NFL season is September 10th, with the first game being the defending cha- with the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs against the Houston Texans. So in September, we are going to have all four sports, major sports, at the same time: basketball, football, 
NHL hockey, and baseball all at the same time. But back to baseball. So the MLB season is underway, and the Colorado Rockies had an amazing start, I felt like. However, it quickly unraveled. They went with an ouch loss to the Seattle Manors a couple weeks ago, and then they got swept by the Astros and then just swept by the Dodgers. And it's it's kind of painful now in Rockies land. However, they hope to bounce back with their series with the Diamondbacks it's always a good series with the Diamondbacks, so here we go. And as I just said, the NFL season will start in September. The local Denver Broncos' first game is on September 14th, and that will be against the Titans. So, now a big question I had in my head was, what can we do and what is going on since many of our local college sports are canceled, like many K-12 sports if not all of them, are pretty much postponed for the year. So how can you or maybe your children get involved with sports might be an interesting question. So I took a deep dive into what is available sporting-wise in this COVID-19 guideline society we live in. So here's what I found out. I found some basic info from the four major northern Colorado cities, that being Fort Collins, Loveland, Greeley, and Longmont. And here is going on. So Fort Collins, I don't have a lot of for sure news for Fort Collins, but I do know one thing. The Foothills Activity Center is open right now. Open for, they say, individual activities, shooting hoops, running laps, but there's no organized play allowed, and you have to bring your own equipment. They also have their fitness machines open and everything has to fall within the COVID-19 guidelines. I will find out more about what Fort Collins has around town to get the youth involved in sports. With Loveland, their recreation has all fall team sports open available right now. And if you want more information on that, please visit www.teamsideline.com forward slash sites forward slash Loveland. And uh, more information on Fort Collins the, at the Activity Center, go to fcgov.com forward slash recreation forward slash Foothills Activity Center. I called Longmont. They have open recreational facilities. Their only team sports that they have going on right now, they have tentative volleyball, they said, and they have for sure fast pitch softball going on right now. They said for other organized team activities, it's subjective because it's subjective to how many people sign up. So, of course, they can't if they can't have a full team, they're not going to do certain sports. So for more information about that, please visit longmontcolorado.gov, and you can go into their departments and go to Recreation Services, where they have more information. And finally, with Greeley, Greeley has facilities open at a limited capacity from... They say the Family Funplex is open with limited hours and restrictions and reservations are required. The Centennial Pool is open, but with limited swim time with registration and restrictions. The Greeley Ice House will be open with limited hours and restrictions as well. Greeley also reports most of their organized team sports are canceled. I did locate swimming, soccer, and skating seem to be still on at this point if there is more information needed you can 
check it out at greeleyrec.com forward slash sports forward slash youth sports. And that's one of many things I will hope to find out this semester on different activities going on. So yeah, I thought this would be interesting to find out what is safe and what kind of sports are still out there within the safe COVID-19 guidelines. So that's so far what I have found out. As we find more from the KCSU Sports Department, we of course will keep our listeners informed. Well, if you're still missing a lot of sports in your life, like many of us, we're going to cover sports all year long. We have content up on our website at kcsufm.com. That is all I have for sports news. Thank you for listening. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day and they are staying well and safe. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time. We're going on a quick break, but we'll be right back here at 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins for the Rocky Mountain Review. Rocky Mountain Review here on 90.5. You just heard local and campus news from myself, sports updates from Jonathan Gillum, and some additional COVID-19 related updates from my co-host Coda Babcock. Up next, Coda will be talking with Lauren Boltz from the Collegian about some of the stories covered by student media this summer. Following that, Coda will be talking to daughter Malika Fair from the Association of American Medical Colleges about COVID-19 precautions and misinformation. I'm here with Lauren Bowles, the Editor-in-Chief of The Collegian. Hi Lauren, how are you doing today? Hi Coda, I'm doing fantastic, how are you? I'm great, so we're here to kind of cover all of the things that we missed over the summer, at least the most important pieces. Can you tell me what The Collegian's five best stories or five most important stories of the summer were? Yes, great question. So um, The Collegian was a little funny this summer because we actually had um, just a big uh, website and print redesign plans. Um, But then we had a lot of important stuff happen around the globe as well as in our community. So we decided to come back from our hiatus. So first of all, um, we had the the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter protests all over the country. Uh, So we did a whole edition based around those just to um, inform our community and also give our reporters a chance to um, give their own thoughts as well. So we had uh, a reporter out in Minneapolis who uh, submitted a photo story. Um, I talked about the intersections of Pride and Black Lives Matter and how that affected Pride Month this year. Um, We also had an article on Pride Month as well. And then at the same time, we did a lot of COVID coverage um, because that kind of wrapped those other two things together. Um, There's a lot of intersections between Black Lives Matter movement, 
um, and how COVID is affecting that as well. So we talked a lot about um, how that was happening and then also how that was affecting our campus as well and kind of trying to predict what this fall semester was going to be like. Um, then at the same time, over the summer, we had a photo archive series, Photos from the Past, where our wonderful photography and archive team kind of dug into our past and we're publishing series of photos that never got in our paper last year. Um, so those were fun visuals that we got to see throughout the summer. And then at the very end of the summer, right before we started school, we had um, the breakout of forest fires around the country and a lot in Colorado as well. Uh, so we had our news team and our photo team collaborating on that to bring us coverage. Thank you for that. And what were some of the biggest challenges of creating publications and completely recreating the Collegian in a pandemic when school was also shut down? Yes, it, it was a lot of things going on at once. Um, I think probably the biggest challenge for us was just how unpredictable it was. Um, we have never been fully virtual here at the Collegian. We've always had a newsroom to come back to. So having our kind of online virtual newsroom was very... And it's not the most productive, um, but we've done a lot of work to make it more productive. So if we have to go back online, we're able to do that. Um, we did a lot of work with outside designers as well as with our design editor, uh, director Amy Noble, um, in order to make our print production very crisp and pristine and modern. And we're still working on that website bit, but we're doing a big overhaul of that, so that is coming up. The pandemic definitely added just an extra element of stress, but at the same time, it kind of gives us the opportunity to reimagine how we do everything with the news and as well as address a lot of systemic problems within our industry. Is there anything you want to add about the Collegian, how people could get involved, anything like that? Yes. Um, since we are a virtual newsroom, we are basically always open. Um, you can always um, email me at editor at collegian.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, I am happy to talk about anything really. And if you want to join, we're always looking for new voices around campus. We are a publication by students for students, so we would love to hear from you. Thank you, Coda. Of course, that was Lauren Boltz, the editor-in-chief of The Collegian. My name is Malika Fair. I'm the Senior Director of Health Equity Partnerships and Programs at the Association of American Medical Colleges. I'm also an emergency physician at George Washington University. All right, thank you for joining me today. To start out with, what are some steps that students can take to reduce the spread of the virus as they return to campus for in-person classes? So we want to make sure that the entire public, especially students who are returning, remember to wear their face mask anytime they are leaving their house or their room and they're going to be around anyone who's not in their household. If they think that they're going to be in contact with anyone less than six feet, it's really important to wear that mask. It should be tight-fitting. Um, around your nose and around your mouth and not have any gaps. They also should still remember to wash their hands and maintain that six feet or more social distance if possible. All right, thank you. And then how can our university community really better support students disproportionately impacted by COVID-19, like students of color, students with pre-existing medical conditions? Information is really important in making sure that students and the entire campus have the most up-to-date information. Um, also, 
making sure that there is communication between the healthcare providers on campus, between the um, the, the resident associates or resident assistants, I think they call them, um, so that if there is a challenge that they know who they can talk to and that they have a place that they can quarantine if they've been exposed or if they have any symptoms whatsoever. How do you think that resident assistants can really help in educating students and informing them as they are their kind of their faculty guide to campus and to COVID-19 in a way. It's important for them to both be up to date on the information and to take away some of the stigma. I'm sure some students, if they have a cough or a sore throat, they may not want to share that information, um, but it's really important that the RAs create a safe space so that they can do so. It's also important that the RAs model good behavior. So they should be wearing their mask as well. They should be maintaining social distance, washing their hands. What has been the most difficult thing for you providing care during the pandemic? Um, so I have not been in the emergency department since the pandemic um, because uh, of several factors, especially since I have a, a, an infant at home. Um, but I know that my colleagues, it's been really hard because they've had to be separated from their family sometimes for, because of their own symptoms or making sure that they are making sure that they are not spreading the virus to their loved ones. And that's been really hard to stay away from grandparents and even sometimes their own children at home. How can our nation really work to better support Black and Latino communities in the fight against COVID-19 as they've been pretty disproportionately impacted, as your article said, 80% of COVID-19 related deaths in one area are experienced by the Black population in DC? So awareness is one thing. Um, the other is making sure that we increase testing in um, communities of color. Oftentimes we'll see that there are more testing sites in, uh, in more affluent neighborhoods or in white neighborhoods. And we need to make sure that we actually increase testing in black and brown neighborhoods and make sure that there's access to insurance coverage. So many people have lost their jobs and they don't have insurance and they're not even able or don't feel like they can go to the hospital. And we as a country need to make sure that we do that. The other is information. So making sure that this information gets to everyone through community leaders, through faith leaders uh, and through trusted community leaders. And then have there been any challenges with getting specific communities such as maybe more affluent white communities to wear masks? How have medical providers, I guess, really tried to curb that? Unfortunately, we see resistance to mask use across the country in a variety of communities. And I think it's because of misinformation. And it's also because, you know, sometimes we think that we are okay. And we forget that we're wearing our mask for ourselves, but also for other people and for the most vulnerable. Something that we all have to do together. And if we don't, we, are, we will not be able to curb the impact of this pandemic if it's not a collective effort. How do you think that news stations and um, educational facilities can really help to curb misinformation pandemic when it comes to COVID-19? Doing what you're just doing, I think, is important. Making sure that you're getting voices out there who can speak to a variety of communities um, and, and get people that they recognize, people from local areas that say, you know, this is really important. This either impacted me or a friend of mine, and I don't want to see anyone else die from this. I don't want to see anyone else get sick from this disease. It's, it hasn't become personal to everyone and we need to make it personal and get those stories out there. How do you think that having a lot of colleges go back might be actually harming our progress in terms of COVID-19 with new students coming on campus, with the potential of some cities and schools allowing parties again? 
Um, how do you think that these risks can be weighed? The biggest challenge with schools opening, so I'm referring to K-12 schools as well as colleges, is that there isn't a national criteria on school openings. And that's what we're pushing forward in our roadmap that our association put out, because the criteria is so different then we may have schools that will keep their entire student body safe and others where we're going to see outbreaks. So without this national criteria, I am concerned that we will see more sickness, more spread of this disease. And I hope that we, I hope that we will not see this and I hope we'll have some consensus of national guidelines regarding to school opening. All right, and then can you tell me a little bit more about the Association of American Medical Colleges, the organization that I met you through? Sure. So the Association of American Medical Colleges is an organization that represents medical schools and teaching hospitals across the country. So if you live in a community with a medical school or with a hospital where you see students walking around, they're most likely one of our members. And we ensure that the public is taken care of. We take care of the sickest populations. We take care of populations that um, do not have insurance in our medical centers. And we at the association represent all of those individuals and make sure that our institutions have a voice both on the Hill as well as they are supported in their day-to-day -day work uh, to train the next generation of physicians. Do you have anything that you really want to make sure that's heard um, about your experiences, your community's experiences related to the pandemic? What we're seeing is that there's an increased spread of the virus among younger people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And some of these individuals do not have any symptoms or they're asymptomatic is what we call them. It's really important that we all take this seriously in terms of wearing our masks, washing our hands and having a safe social distance because we may be the ones, and I count myself as, as young-ish, but we may be the ones spreading this virus. And so we have to take it really seriously for the entire nation. All right, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. And thank you for having me on your, uh, on your program. Of course, thank you. We're going on a quick break, but we'll be right back here at 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins for the Rocky Mountain Review. Thanks for tuning in to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins for the Rocky Mountain Review. So far, we've covered some local, campus, sports, and COVID-19 news. Next up, we have the weather with Coda Babcock. Low air quality as the Cameron Peak fire continues to burn nearby. According to the Weather Channel, tomorrow you can expect a high of 92 and a low of 62. You can expect to see some clouds and potentially a thunderstorm in the afternoon with about a 30% chance of rain. On Thursday, there's a predicted high of 91 and a low of 63, once again with some clouds and about a 20% chance of rain. Winds over the next few days are expected to be around 10 miles per hour, with tomorrow's falling between a 10 to 15 mile per hour range and Thursday's wind falling between a 5 and 10 mile per hour range. If you want to hear the weather for this weekend, you can tune in again on our next episode this Thursday at 4 p.m. or listen after the show at kcsufm.com news.
We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank Lauren Bowles, Asher Korn, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And we'll we'll see see you you next time. time.